Welcome back to Oops All Scaries. I'm Jacqueline and I am of course joined by David. So David, I have some really big news. Okay, I'm scared because I also don't trust you. (laughs) After the conversation we just had off mic, I feel like me opening up with that is a scary thing. It is. But no, the thing is... I I hit a big milestone like in this what feels like a post-pandemic world. Did you go outside or something? No, I went I went to the inside. (laughs) I went to the movies. Oh shit. Okay. That makes sense. It's my first movie in so long. I still haven't gone to the movies since it all hit the fan. The last movie I saw in theaters was Onward, I'm pretty sure. The Pixar movie. It has to be because that was like it got released just before the pandemic mm-hmm. really started and they like released it almost immediately on Disney Plus. Yeah. I think my last movie, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it might have been a month or two before then. It was something I saw with my whole family though. So it was the thing that I saw, I think before that was the uh Mr. Rogers movie with Tom Hanks. Okay. Which I I do love. I saw it with my niece. She's like too young to really feel for Mr. Rogers, but even she liked the movie. But I went to the movies, my boyfriend and I, I was trying to think of something for us to do because we haven't seen each other since I went back to work. So you're like, let's do something where we can't talk at all. No, we spent the whole day together, (laughs) but I wanted like an activity Mm -hmm. and I think the weather was supposed to be shitty that day. So I like had to have a backup plan, but yeah, we haven't seen each other. It was like three weeks almost. And then as I was like trying to figure out a movie to go to, I was like, all right, we could either go to the Logan, which is like a tiny, very old. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah, I've seen so many movies there. I saw both of the new it movies there black panther ready player one i liked way too much for no reason <laughs> what nothing, nothing wrong with that i like the novel more but that's an of yeah. course another fight for a different day i saw obviously it was after it came out but it was during a december one year was it when they doing... did the stuff at night yep i saw batman returns there love that <laughs> they're like hey it's a christmas movie so i dragged a couple of friends out i'm like we're gonna see batman returns they always show some good movies at night. I was like, we could either do that because I was going to a, a restaurant right on the corner from there because I've missed it so much. Oh, yeah. No, it poured rain like just as we finished eating <laughs> and we ate outside. So like we just missed it. It was beautiful. So I was either like we can go to the Logan or we can go to the Regal, which is like very close to there, too. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, what if we do hear me out the 40X and just like go all in for our first movie. It didn't feel like that much more expensive than movie in the city. So I went for it. We saw a quiet place part two. Okay, good. I was gonna I was waiting to ask <laughs> and I figured that honestly of the movies that were out recently, that's the one I would go see. And I my yeah. sister was thinking about going and seeing too. So I might like hop on that bandwagon. It was pretty good. Um so I will say the first movie that I thought about seeing was uh, Fast 9. Really? You can't see it, everyone, but she's she loves it. It's on her face. The Fast se- hey, uh, series. When you hear your family. It's all about the fam. I just love Dominic Toretto. Olive Garden's movie franchise. Why? Because 
he talks about family all the time and Olive oh. Garden's slogan is when you're here, your family. So I always joke when I go to Universal Studios that the Fast and Furious ride is the Olive Garden ride. Jesus. It's terrible. That, yeah, that ride is. is terrible. Oh, I thought you meant but... a joke. <laughs> oh, all of you above. <laughs> well, I just thought that would be like a fun movie to see in 4D x whatever it's it's like 40x is the brand right i think sponsored by pepsi you don't have to wear glasses we were very confused does it spray water at you and stuff and rock that's what i want to talk about today david (laughs) i feel duped i feel tricked i wanted to feel like i was on a ride at universal studios where you are inevitably going to be sprayed with water that's all i wanted there was no water I checked my the little blue water button was blue, uh-huh. not red. And I was waiting. There were times there was like a sprinkler system in the movie did not get sprayed. There was a part <laughs> where insert character stabs creature. I was waiting for a, a splatter of water on my face. I got nothing, nothing. And I think the air conditioning was broken because let me tell you that theater it was steamy. So would you have wanted the water to hit you? Because then it'd be humid or it'd be, it would make you humid. Maybe that's why it wasn't on. I don't know. I'm pulling this out of my ass. Like, that's I paid pretty a lot sure. of money <laughs> for so this. Like, and I, I expected, didn't get spit on. I expected to be sprayed when I go to yeah. 4D, 4DX. It was pretty cool though. It rattled a bit. All right. Yeah. Now. The shining. <laughs> Can we do the thing <laughs> we're supposed to do? No. Yes. This time we are going to discuss Stephen King's The Shining, the novel. Yeah. (laughs) So we both have seen the movie. Yes. So yeah, that actually leads into like one of the first questions, I guess. Before you started reading the book, I also had never read it. So my knowledge of The Shining um, came from the movie. What were you kind of bringing in before we even started reading from like the movie? What kind of stuff were you just thinking? Okay, I know what this is about, kind of. Ghosts. (laughs) The thing that's been weighing on me with getting into the novel is that what Stephen King thinks about the movie, the thing that he says about like Jack Torrance inherently is a good guy, but he's getting kind of like twisted by different evils that he's interacting with. Mm -hmm. That is not present in the film. He is very much a bad guy. I still see Jack Nicholson. It's very hard. I I hear him. I do. Who can't? Again, so what I'm also bringing into this is I can only see the three um, actors. That is a Jack Nicholson effect. Like, I can't revisit One Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He's just so iconic. It is Jack Nicholson. I'm still uh, coming in terms with the nicer Jack Nicholson. I don't know it's uh, Jack Torrance. It feels genuine. It does. I, I don't hate his character as much as I thought I would. It took me a while to, like, trust him. But we'll get into that. But there's a few like differences that I know from listening to other people talk about this. One is that I know that we won't get a maze. It's a topiary. And I'm just really hoping for some spooky topiary shit. They're already kind of. No, like worse. Okay. Worse than that. I don't think it'll get worse, but I want it to be scarier. What would you do to make it scarier? Because so since we can already kind of mention that, like in the the novel, the topiary scene so far, 
He was Jack Torrance. He was trimming some hedges. His maintenance he, man stuff. Maintenance man. And he stops and takes a break and plays with some uh, the, the playground equipment. And the animals, uh, you know, he's they're all shaped like animals. And he's been doing the trimming. They start to change position, but only when he's not looking. And they slowly start mm-hmm. closing in on him. I actually thought that was pretty creepy. I liked it because I think if he saw them move, if he saw them move, it would totally blow it for me. It would have been too Definitely. much, but it's the fact that they only moved when he wasn't looking at them. And because it surrounded him, he, it even says like, you can't look at them all, all the time. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, that's terrifying. That's what really I liked for me. And I liked how that was juxtaposed to like him looking at the playground area. And he was like, oh, slide. I don't even know the last time I was on a slide. So it's like the scary thing next to this joyful thing and it was there almost like as a not a distraction but he starts doing the trimming and then we go into the playground section and it feels natural because we're also in his head and that's something we can uh, i'd like to discuss later is the pov uh, because it shifts a lot i think it's awesome can't wait to talk about it then when he starts to realize it it's slight things at first that he notices the bunny the position it is in mm-hmm. is slightly different and then things slowly start getting worse so i i liked it just because it seemed natural i just want like you know in the movie there's the elevator full of blood mm-hmm. iconic scene i want the topiaries to like exit off the elevator and just like invade the house i don't know just like something that's so ridiculous and kind of fun but still scary i think the fun part is what for that particular thing is what would turn it less scary for me i feel as though that there's there was also a mini series i haven't watched that at all i saw that one uh once when it initially debuted Mm -hmm. so very hazy in my mind i would be willing to bet money that the animals actually move like but it's cg ish because and this is maybe 2000 late 90s adaptation but you get a little bit of that they went more true to the original in that one yeah attempted to i don't think the maze is what loses people like i think that was a decent move especially when the film came out i like easier to do (laughs) and i think that it's just an easy thing and like an easier to make scary thing Mm-hmm. like easily oh. creating tension in the night in a maze it's freezing yeah that'll that'll do it that'll do it for sure as i started reading i was thinking too about dr sleep yes because that is the most recent thing i rented that from redbox at one point i didn't get the extended cut which adds like what a half hour mm-hmm. but i did watch it really enjoyed it after reading the shining or we're halfway through it we're going to be discussing the yeah. first half of the book um, but even after just having read the first half and having seen the movie dr sleep i'm interested to read uh the actual novels published in 2003 so i'm curious to later i think really i thought it was 2003 I want to say 2012. Check that. Check it. Or I will check it for you. Damn, 2013. You're right. Stop looking. It's almost a burden to be right all the time, you know? Almost. (sighs) Whatever. Okay, but either way. It also won the Bram Stoker Award that year for Best Novel. So... Just really quick. In Dr. Sleep, I know... I watched it like twice, but it has been a while since I watched Mm -hmm. that, like at least a year, I think. Is that where they kind of echo stuff from The Shining, where he talks about what The Shining is? Some some people have a little bit like, yes, bring flowers to their girl when she's upset. 
And I mean, that was definitely in this novel. It's in this. Yes. But when I read it, I was like, this is way too in the front of my brain. <laughs> yeah, I believe it is mentioned probably because in Dr. Sleep, or at least in the movie, Danny, I believe he tries to help explain the shine to the, the young the female girl. protagonist. Yeah. And he also sees the spirit or something of someone who taught him about the shine. A little tear for him when I was reading this part in the novel. And I'm like, and I was like, oh, I know who you are. I know what happens to you in the movie. Very not excited. I'm pretty sure I'm aware of what's going to happen to you in here. Because, yeah, he's got the shine to shine on. I love him. I'm pretty sure like that from The Shining is in Dr. Sleep. And so when I read this, I was like, huh, this is way too front of my brain. What experience do you have reading Stephen King outside of this? Quite a bit. We've both read on writing. Yes, we've both read on writing, which is fantastic. My favorite series from him or favorite work from him is the Dark Tower series. Don't roll your eyes at me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. You did and it hurts. No, it's okay. You've heard me talk about it before. I get it. That's why I was like, oh, of course. Like, I know this. But they don't know this. Yes. (laughs) But you gave me that look. But yeah, the Dark Tower series, fantastic. I first started reading that in high school because it has a very famous opening line. The man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. It's an iconic line. He started this series very young. And he didn't finish the series until the early 2000s. Because I believe I read it. I started reading the series before the the last novel came out. They're great. Very different story than you'd expect. My first introduction to Stephen King was a Richard Bachman novel called The Long Walk about the group of boys. It's a competition. They all have to walk across like a very long, I don't even remember the distance, but the entire time, you know, as as kids start getting tired because you don't sleep, you have to just keep walking. And it goes for days. Uh, Those that fall behind get shot. So slow. Yeah, there gets to points where people are like having used the bathroom on the move, but it's a whole thing. People are cheering them on from the sides. It's just a dystopian thing. But I read that and I remember renting that or borrowing from the library, but I enjoyed it. And then later realizing who it was by, it was like, oh, cool. I got a little bit of geek (laughs) cred right there. And you, Jacqueline, what's your first contact with Stephen King? And then what's also your most memorable? Well, King has always been a name that I've known. Like, I think I mentioned on here. I know I've talked about it several times, but like my mom always had the book Gerald's Game Mm -hmm. on her bookshelf. I have never read it. (laughs) but. It's always a name that I've known. When I got a little bit older, probably 10 years old, nine, 10 years old, my dad was coming home from the grocery store and he was riding his bike and he said that there was this box in front of the dumpsters in the parking lot and on top of the box were two pristine Stephen King books. Oh, 14 Dark Tales and Tales from a Buick. So I remember at 10 years old reading most of 14 Dark Tales. <laughs> and I don't know if you know this, but there's swear words in there. <gasps> what? And let me tell you, blew my mind. I was like, oh, in a they book? They can do this. <laughs> exactly. I remember hearing about that 
you can only swear so many times. And then you read one of these and you're like, hey, wait a second. Does no one check it? Yeah. <laughs> it's even like, I remember checking out Anne Rice novels in like middle school at the library. And I'm like, you're just going to like, let me do this. They're dropping F-bombs in here, man. And then like, I moved a bunch. So like, I lost those copies. I now own them again. But probably younger than that, I saw, you know, it didn't watch the whole thing. The Tim Curry one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Not everything holds up quite as well. No. But it cemented itself in my memories. Tim Curry alone. I've been actually listening to, I'm never going to read it. Let's be real. I'm not going to do it. It's way too thick. I'm never going to be able to carry that around. But I've been listening to the audiobook, which is fantastic, for a long time. It's like over 50 hours or something. I can imagine. It's very good. I do like it. I know I haven't gotten to certain parts that everyone talks about. Mm. Um, not looking forward to that. And I think that's kind of why I've been taking my time listening to it. I'm about midway through, I think. There always seems to be something in a Stephen King work that I see makes you... me a little uncomfortable. In this particular one, is it the two mentions of Jack's seed dripping down his wife's thigh? And how she's like stoked about it. They were trying to have kids and then now she's back on birth control. I don't think they were trying at the time. No, they actually mentioned that she's on, she's currently on birth control. So yeah. they can't have kids. They were trying earlier yeah. in the marriage before some of his he incidents. He talks about how like, oh, there's supposed to be a baby, but then it just never happened. It definitely did stand out to the fact that once he mentioned that, my mind immediately went there. I'm just going to say it. I think he's a horny dude. That's all. <laughs> That's all I have to say. You heard it here, folks. Jacqueline <laughs> Anderson, a quarter. Stephen King's just a horny dude. I do buy his books often. I have several. I've been kind of on a King buying binge lately. Been going to like resale shops, half price books, whatnot, and picking up a few every time. Over the years, I have been buying them. I have tried to start reading them. Usually every like Halloween, I'm like, all right, I'm going to knock out like four Stephen King novels. This is this is my time to shine. And I never finish them. Her time to shine. Hey, shine on. <laughs> so, yeah, I've had a lot of encounters with Stephen King's work, not as much as I would like of his own work. A lot of adaptations. This is his third published novel, published in 1977. It's Carrie and what's the other one? I believe Salem's Lot may have been his second. This is the first hardback bestseller that he had. One fun thing that I found out was in 2016, the Minnesota Opera Company, they, they staged an opera. That's awesome. Based on this and the 1980 film. So it was like kind of a hybrid one last like random quote by King. I feel like everyone knows that he doesn't like the film. It's fairly common knowledge. So there there are plenty of articles about it, but he's he's gone on the record. And that's why people were really surprised that Dr. Sleep was happening too, because that was a sequel to the film. King compared The Shining film to a beautiful Cadillac that just doesn't have a motor in it. <laughs> like, looks great on the outside because he says it like the film looks great, but to him, it doesn't have anything on the inside. One of the things that I brought in with me was I do remember that Danny had The Shine. I remember that uh, he could kind of talk to, oh, I'm forgetting his character's name. Tony. Red Rum. Red Rum. Yes, yes. That I remember. That is something I knew all my life. Oh, Red Rum? Red Rum. Oh, yeah. Knew He's that. Murder. 
I think that was a thing that like my mom said as like a joke. Pretty sure it's been referenced in movies. Like it's been definitely talked about. I'm sure my mom said it. She was a movie quoter, just like me. And me. <laughs> One of my notes was hearing red rum and seeing red rum. Very different experiences. <laughs> As a kid, I it's like I I feel like I was like Danny, not being able to know. You see the letters, but you can't make a sense of the words. Like mm-hmm. when Tony shows him signs, yeah. it's like yeah, I like can say that thing, but I don't know that thing. It's weird. Like I didn't think Danny was so young. I don't know if that's just in like, the movie or in the actual novel. In the movie. Oh yeah, I mean he's rolling around on his fucking big wheel. I know, but I'm just like not a good gauge for. Come play with us, Danny. (laughs) And then those girls aren't twins. It's been too long for me to know properly. They wore the same dress. They might as well be twins. I think they say it in here, right? Their ages. Did they mention them? I don't recall them mentioning the twins yet. Grady's family. Oh, are those? Daughters. (gasps) Shot the wife. Oh, my God. Shot himself. I didn't connect that those were the daughters. Right? They have to be. That's probably correct. But I guess I hadn't even put that together i have a little list of the ghosties so i have grady's family and then the lawyer's wife she's the one that's seen by the chambermaid she's the one that's in the bathtub yep she's the one that catches danny at the end of part three <gasps> that was so he's good. closing his eyes closing his eyes it's like it's not real it's not real and then it grabs him and turns him around end of chapter was there one more? I think there was maybe one more person that's a ghosty. Or no, no. I just highlighted the fact that Dick, he tells Danny that it was the, the maid that saw her and she had a little bit of shine. Yep. So like I marked that because I kind of want to keep track as to who is seeing what and if they supposedly have any any shine to them. You have the big hardcover. <sighs> Fancy boy. I have the mass market paperback. Well, tell me what like chapter. What's the it's Watson. It's when he's talking to Watson. Yeah. Also, he's not in the movie, right? Not that I recall. I feel like they just kind of lumped Dick into a multitude of characters, which makes sense. Yeah, we don't need him. But it was because we're just coming off of reading Haunting of Hill House. I was just thinking of Luke, (laughs) like the guy that's going to inherit this property. Oh, Gotta have one of those guys. But unfortunately, Watson ain't gonna inherit shit. (laughs) Anyway, he talks to him and he's like, scandals. Any big hotel's got scandals. Just like any big hotel has a ghost. Why hell, people come and go. Sometimes one of them pop off in his room, heart attack or stroke or something like that. Hotels are superstitious places. No 13th floor or room 13. No mirrors on the back of doors you come in through. Stuff like that. It was funny to me reading that so early on in the book. It's like rationalizing it. Nothing to worry about. Hotels always got spooky stuff going on. Of course there's ghosts in here. I didn't realize how strong Danny's shine was from watch from a doctor sleep made me realize like oh wow yeah his powers or his abilities and his second sight goes pretty hardcore in the movie i know he saw stuff and i know he could telepathically communicate with dick but it was quick we're getting a whole lot more in the novel 
I thought Jack was going to be the main character. I knew Danny was important. I knew that was the kid. And I think that's just the Jack Nicholson effect. He's the main character. So that could be it. Danny definitely has a lot in it too. Very surprised we get a lot of him uh, and Wendy too. Really early in the book, he's like, oh, what are you going to tell me next? You got a life-size Uncle Wiggly board behind the shed? I have that board game. <laughs> Oh it's God. very old it's like <laughs> it was my dad's board game and it's like this rabbit and i used to play it uh oftentimes by myself because <laughs> i'd be at like my dad's house which i was the only kid at like on the mm. weekends that's my first note of this book was like oh, uncle wiggly i know that game i get excited when i get to know things do you want to talk about point of view let's do it it shifts from what danny's thinking to what his mom's thinking like from one paragraph to the next but i never got confused about whose head i'm in i've read novels where different chapters you'd switch point of view mm -hmm. i always thought that this was kind of a, a hard rule not to kind of mess with or that you could mess with it we had to do it well and i think that's what is being done here is that we we can jump between danny and sometimes there are page breaks or line breaks sometimes but there are other times when we just that the family's together and it moves seamlessly to from what Jack's thinking to what Wendy is kind of seeing to then what she's mm -hmm. thinking to then Danny picking up stuff. It's interesting that we're getting so inside the characters' heads while still remaining not with that character. Every yeah. once in a while I was like, oh, is this like legit Danny's point of view now? Um, Because there were parts where it refers to Wendy and Jack as like mommy and daddy. For the first couple chapters i thought it was going to be rotating points of view each chapter because the first one was his interview jack's interview yeah and it was jack the second one was from wendy's point of view because then we started mm -hmm. getting background on the family and then third went back to jack but then four went to danny and i was like oh wow this is how we're doing it but as we went further into the chapters they began to kind of blend together because the, the beginning chapters have them separate locations mm -hmm. and doing a little bit of things now that they're all in the house they just kind of jumble together but it's very fluid i think danny makes the most sense because he can see the most get in other people's heads exactly that that's one of the real things i enjoy about this novel so far is because we're inside all the characters heads so we know what jack's really thinking we know what wendy's thinking and then we get into danny who doesn't understand everything but he's picking up feelings he's picking up words and whole sentences sometimes if he concentrates and you're just like oh man I really enjoyed as I said because I didn't see as much of that in the movie I didn't realize you know how important it would be in this novel makes sense it's the title The Shining we learn a lot from Danny that fills in blanks in other parts of character stories so that we the readers know way more than any of them like combined I think I know why I said I didn't realize that Danny was so young and I think that's because his lens on situations is what really makes you come to terms with how young he is because he's definitely like a smart kid for sure okay. and he's very able to pick up on emotions and he can you know read what's going on literally but he has moments that are like pulled out of a Rugrats episode oh yeah he talks about the only thing that makes these rooms different is there's no sweets in here 
and he says sweets as in like candy, but he means sweets as in S, you know, I-T-E-S. Yeah. Yeah. And those that's, you know, that's called that literary device. Is it a homonym or a homophone? No, it's malapropism. Oh, you mean when you use the wrong one? Okay. I thought it was just the words that sound. Or maybe it is. No, I think maybe it, it is. I think because that's what they do in Rugrats, where they use like the word slightly wrong, and it's yeah. a different word, but it sounds similar. I, I like extinguished versus distinguished. Yeah, but maybe it might be. No, 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 no. Homophone is only like sweet versus sweet or homonym, whichever one it is. Yeah. Like the S W E E T versus S U I T E. The they sound the same but are spelled differently and have different meanings. Uh, but there's a the one of the moments that made me chuckle is very early on when they're checking into the hotel and he reads the mind of the woman. So she's like, I'd like to get into his pants. And he's is like, cold. <laughs> yeah, he's like, why would she want his pants? Uh, you know, like and he doesn't let it go, which is such a little kid thing. It is. But he doesn't want to tell mommy because sometimes he brings up things that he shouldn't know. And his mommy gets upset. Then later on, he's like, I have a question about her. Like, why would she want? his pants he's like what and then he tells him like well she was thinking she wanted to get into his pants and then dick starts laughing and it takes Mm -hmm. him a while it's very funny he's like you're gonna be wise beyond your years or something like that you're gonna know all about the human condition before you can actually understand it when he starts to talk about divorce and he's like what i know about divorce is they have to fight for me in court tennis court badminton uh it's like in that rugrats episode when they they have the dream where they're adults Mm -hmm. and angelica pulls them over and they get tickets and they're like oh the reptar on ice (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah got the right idea but you're all wrong (laughs) that part is even made even better because danny says like yeah they fight for you in a court i don't know if it's tennis or badminton he's like well mommy and dad have played both so really it could be either and yeah, it's, just it's, like, so, it's so like quick witted in like the wrong way. Like it's yeah. so and funny. I, think, I mean, because it's like how I think, but just, you know, more base. It's a lot of relation things relating together. Yeah. And it's so I think that's what really sells the uh, Danny's point of view. Why he might probably be my favorite point of view. Oh, definitely. I love his view on things. I I love the way that things are di- like divorce is like a title and bad thing is a title and divorce is the biggest fear bad thing not as bad as divorce at first i didn't realize what bad thing was i figured that out pretty quick thankfully well i just assumed it was cheating on the wife that's just like where i went to i just knew he was an alcoholic and then the things that come from it like breaking breaking your kid's arm yeah. Now he was sober when he beat the crap out of that kid, George, his student. Oh, yeah. A little bit above this, um, to go back to Watson, he mentions maybe 45 people died in this hotel since my grandfather opened it in 1910. That's a lot of people. I know it's a big hotel, but I just wonder, like, how many ghosts are in this place? I get that. And he lays the foundation uh, because as we get deeper into this, uh, when Jack goes into the basement and he gets a hold of that 
scrapbook and he learns mm-hmm. more about the history. Like there were some pretty hardcore deaths in this hotel. One guy got shotgunned to death at close range because at one point it was assumed or it was an open secret that it was essentially being used by the criminal underworld. Like mob bosses and stuff were coming here or it may have been a whorehouse or at least that's Mm -hmm. what Jack insinuates at one point. So there were a lot of not just violent deaths but a lot of those negative strong emotions and that's something i'm kind of bringing in from what stephen king said uh in the preface to the haunting of hill house that i read Mm -hmm. where he says that the the idea of a house or a building a place being a psychic battery that kind of stores strong emotions and most emotions like that tend to be negative that that kind of made sense for the overlook to have a, a shady history that Jack is trying to uncover some maybe for his book some influencing also- him I like the idea that comes up a little bit later on this is I want to jump ahead and then jump back just because it's connected but with Dick he says that like these things are like a picture in a book they can't hurt you and I think only the people with shine can see them and it's like a part of this place and there was a bad thing there but I don't think it was a bad thing that could hurt anyone Danny that's what I'm trying to say people who shine can sometimes see things that are gonna happen and I think sometimes they can see things that did happen but they're just like pictures in a book did you ever see a picture in a book that scared you and he says yes but like of course but then he says like you know it was just picture and you knew it couldn't hurt you but I like that idea that like the house is almost like a scrapbook of itself where it's holding these memories and it's kind of keeping them and playing them like the room 217 has the woman and she's there and she's always there and in the presidential suite Danny saw the blood on the wall at first and later and when when we're in Jack's POV we learn that that's where someone was executed you know got shotgunned in there and Danny doesn't know that but we figure it out via Jack's point of view and we connect them dots connect the blood splatter but that kind of reminded me of Hill House and how the things were happening in places like the the noises and whatnot it's like well maybe that was kind of hill house's memories like playing and yeah see those similarities um but i really did enjoy part one like i i thought a lot was told to us in such a way that like felt natural i like how we like in part four especially like how close we got to danny like we mentioned did you think like before that, but they, everyone seemed to keep mentioning the Danny and rat poison. And I'm like, that's a red herring. They mentioned it that many times. I thought it came up. I think like three times. I thought the rat poison came up because of, like the food and they didn't want to use it in the uh, kitchen. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, we want, I want you to put it out. Um, but don't let your kid play around it. It seemed like a thing that they were trying to set up. Chekhov's gun. Th- there were a couple of things I, along that that I thought of. I thought the, the trap thing that door. keeps creeping. Oh, the trap door for sure. Oh, the boiler. Yeah. Cause every time she creeps or it creeps, like and I don't know why I made it a feminine thing, but I think you might say she creeps. No, maybe he does, I but the it. boiler creeps or creeps and uh, it, it might go to 180. But you know, if you're not checking on it, you're going to wake up and your family's on the moon. I thought that's mm-hmm. very foreshadowing the Roke mallet. Yep. It's called Roke. Uh, so, and uh-huh. I'm assuming that this is going to take the place of the axe. 
in the movie version. That's what I figured. Because in this one, in Danny's visions, he's carrying a mallet and it's a smaller one-handed mallet, but he's like slamming it against the wall. And at one point he see he saw blood and like brain matter on it. So I'm Beside like- Beside his daddy in the other front seat was a short handled mallet, its head clotted with blood and hair. And then once we're at the Overlook later, we learned about the Roke game and it's a variation of this. And we learned about the hammers that were smaller. And if they leave, Danny mm-hmm. reacts when he hears about it because he's able to put two and two together as well. You know what I really loved? The very vivid like descriptions that came up through Danny to things that like he doesn't even understand like when he talks about divorce and divorce hung over the kitchen table like a cloud full of black rain pregnant ready to burst and it like made him so sick that he couldn't eat i think that's one of the things that i really love just about stephen king in general is that some of the 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 language he uses his word choice tends to be like god damn and mm-hmm. it, it almost it's it's a little bit intimidating. It gets yeah, because I'm I, when I write stuff, I'm like, man, I would not have thought of that. One part, uh, I believe, someone's head hangs back and then snaps up, and it said like a balloon on a stick. And then I could just see <laughs> the quick. Yeah. There's just so many uh, similes and metaphors that are, I think, very well written. And just kind of this is a little bit of a tangent, but as I may have mentioned before, I love genre, and I think it gets a lot of flack. Not as much nowadays, I believe, but in some of the literary communities, you know, for being less than literary, as if mm. it's subpar. But like. Uh, reading Stephen King I'm like these are beautiful descriptions or even if it's not beautiful like that is so apt and I can see clearly like it's the right words and I think for this to be so early like in his writing career I think that's pretty cool oh at least for his novels because he'd been writing other things before them but yeah but this is something that's like very much dropping breadcrumbs and setting things up and like the descriptions and this is just like a longer form than other things Mm-hmm. So I think just like the the threads and the movement yeah. and all of the backstory that we're getting, it's so well done. Oh, another thing I thought that we might be getting set up. There was in one of Danny's nightmare visions, he's looking around in the third floor or is it the attic? And he re- realizes, oh, but the trap door is locked. And it just seemed very, I don't know, like that might come into play. I could be completely wrong, but I was just like, huh. Oh, he's definitely going to go in the attic. There's without a doubt that kid's getting in the attic. Well, as we saw right before the end of, at the end of part three, he wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to go into room 217. He promised. And then the other thought appears in his head, promises were meant to be broken. And then Danny Curiosity says, killed the cat. And satisfaction brought it back apparently Uh that's something it's a writing thing but the way that some of the thoughts are written as like it becomes a whole i just want to say before you say it i hated it when i first read them and now fucking love it but explain what you mean yeah so there are plenty of times reading many other novels you know characters thoughts just part of the you know the paragraph Mm -hmm. or they might be 
italicized or things, but there's a lot of like almost intrusive thoughts in this novel where you'll it's you're reading a paragraph and then it stops, jumps to the next line, puts in parentheses in this italicized thing, a thought, and then it jumps back to a new paragraph, but it's continuing the previous paragraph. Like these thoughts are just kind of full stop interrupt. From my experience that that specifically like the breaks, the literal intrusive thoughts that are happening are exclusive to the shining, which makes sense Mm. because that's what's happening. Like the bad stuff is breaking in, but the stylized aspect of using a lot of parentheses. Yeah. That's in a lot of his work. That's in Carrie for sure. And that was like a thing that I just was like, oh, why are you doing that instead of just italicized? But I think Carrie is third person as well. For me, I, it doesn't bother me as much with the parentheses because I know it means it's, I know it's supposed to be like an, an aside. The fact that it's italicized means it's like an aside thought. And just to me, it comes off as those quick little thoughts. And a lot of mm-hmm. times they are the intrusive ones. They're the ones you think first, especially with Jack. You get a lot of uh, things that he would love to say, but isn't saying. So it's just those quick, violent thoughts a lot of times. It's mostly like the bad ones that are not, they're italicized, but they're not in parentheses. I think some of the bad ones in parentheses too. I'm just thinking of like the opening when he's like immediately calling him, what does he say? Officious or something? Little prick. Oh yeah. That's like one of the the opening lines. Isn't that the opening line? Jack Torrance thought officious little prick. I, I just want there to be a method to that method to the madness with why some are one way and some are another. I do think like the line breaks are very specific because it's like it's breaking up what's happening mm. and like breaking into the story in a way. I, I don't mind it Um, just to. I wonder if it's also because when they think to each other, when Dick and Danny are using the shine to talk to each mm-hmm. other, their thoughts also come in parentheses. So I wonder if it's just kind of an established that this is a louder thought because he says if mm-hmm. you can read people's thoughts, he's like, well, if only if it's a loud thought. So maybe mm. it has to do with... This is something that he can glean. Read. Like that is a readable yeah. thought because it's a... I believe at one point he mentions that when he's talking to Dick. I want to look that up either in the car. One thing, for instance, as I as I just go through the pages, mm-hmm. there's that part when he's with Tony and it's like, we're red rum. It, like red rum. The room faded, another room he knew. And then in parentheses, after a line break, would know. And then there's like the come out, come out, you little shit. Take your medicine. Yeah. And that is, that's someone else. But it's like a premonition. Like that's mm-hmm. the, f- that's the future. And then it's like crash, crash, red rum coming, mommy record player, mommy's record player. And it's in parentheses with like surrounded by question marks. And he's like begging Tony, no. And it's like, no, oh no, oh no. And then in parentheses, oh, please, Tony, you're scaring me. And then red rum, red rum, red rum. And it's just like all these things in a line. And it's like, this is 
happening in like a dream and he's thinking this but he's like experiencing it in person all at once it's intense but yeah it does state that um so when dick took uh he had danny help him take his suitcases to the car Mm -hmm. and he's talking he says i mean can you tell what dick asks i mean can you tell what anybody is thinking danny thought about it i can if it's loud he said finally like mrs brian and the pants (laughs) and then he also explains that one time he saw a kid staring at a radio yes. in the store and he kept thinking should I steal it or not steal it or he kept thinking about the consequences and it was bugging him so much the sweet little boy so I think that's what it is people sometimes think more loud and that's when that comes through yeah maybe maybe it's their want is what's loud it's almost like the baser more primal desires those would be a louder thought because it's one you can't quite contain as well resist the temptation it's so cute that he went up to that kid and was like don't steal it (laughs) and scared the kid oh yeah (laughs) i was surprised that jack doesn't have shine to him at all i'm for how uh affected he is i'm not convinced that he doesn't have something but like a darker version almost there's the shadow yeah okay no but there's an actual line where it said like uh he that is one of the chapters oh is that the shadow land i don't know if that's so one line and it may have just been a complete just offhand line but so it talks about after jack and wendy had separated for a little bit uh, to Mm -hmm. get perspective on the relationship and then later they came back together in the spring it says oh here's the quote they were together again in the spring and he asked her if she'd been to see her father she had jumped as if he'd struck her with a quirk how did you know that his response was the shadow knows and the shadow is capitalized and she says have you been spying on me and his impatient laughter they laugh and then he never technically answers so i thought what is the shadow knows because it is capitalized the yeah. shadow and he says it and then the thing that bothered me too is when dick tried to read jack mm-hmm. he has a very specific reaction Action. And now I'm going to look it up. Yeah, didn't he try to read this really yeah. react? So yeah, uh, Dick then tried to also, as he tested uh, Danny and learned that he had the shine. He also said that he, here's the quote, I tried them like I did you, Halloran said. Your mama jumped the tiniest bit. I think all mothers shine a little, you know, at least until their kids grow up enough to watch out for themselves. Your dad, it trails off. Halloran paused momentarily. He had probed at the boy's father and he just didn't know. It was like meeting someone who had the shine or someone who definitely did not. Poking at Danny's father had been strange, as if Jack Torrance had something something that he was hiding or something he was holding in so deeply submerged in himself that it was impossible to get to and i think those two things combined made me almost Mm -hmm. feel like maybe it wasn't the shine but there was definitely something in him that i think makes him more susceptible kind of like danny is to the to the overlook but just probably in a worse way. So that's why he doesn't say he had it. But the fact that Halloran said the feeling was just so polarizing made you wonder like there's something there and it seemed way deeper than just a bad temper or alcoholism. It was something more, um, not malignant, maybe malignant, but 
or malign. My page 69, not your page 69. He talks about writing routine, an hour a day, and then his Saturday sessions. It's like his therapy. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it, this crazy man has more of a routine than me. But it just made me think of Stephen King and like how his he writing. talks about routine yeah, and how important it is and like read 70 books a year, stop watching TV, read a book. <laughs> to be fair, though, I think TV has also come a long way since Definitely. some TV, not all of it. There's some trash out there, but there's also yeah. some very well-written shows. So I think it's a bit of both, but I, I understand what he means because reading is definitely going to help the writing better because mm -hmm. you're seeing the words or listening to it. You're retaining that language in the actual written form. And I think a lot of people that don't read that try to write, which I have seen, it's not good. There's also nuance to it. It, it is also yeah an art in a sense they're missing and, a huge aspect of it of the storytelling and the, the, yeah the language itself it's not just about so and so went here and they kicked mm -hmm. ass like cadence flow all that stuff comes into it sentence structure and yeah that's something you generally learn through writing and especially in fiction or even non-fiction reading other people's writing because you learn about those styles it's just more subconsciously as you look at it you pick up on those things. We talked earlier about the fact that the characterization of Jack is much, or it's not only more complex in the novel, um, but he does seem like mostly a good guy, except, I mean, he's got some pretty glaring flaws, uh, flaws, the alcoholism, and he's admitted many times that he has a temper that he always thought he just needed to control. But he goes, so here are his list of crimes. Um, the first one we learn of is one time when he had been uh, his original routine while he was still drinking is he would be drinking while doing his papers or working on his play. And at one point he stepped out of his office and Danny, who was about three at the time, walked in and made a whole mess out of it. And Jack, when he came back, was going to, you know, spank him, but he grabbed Danny by the arm and yanked him so hard that he broke Danny's arm. Later on, after he was sober, he beat the absolute crap out of uh, a student who was rightfully uh, slashing Jack's tires. And then Jack just walks up to him and he says, like, he describes when the anger takes over. And this line is what gets me. And I know that it's pretty obvious in Danny's, like, visions that the monster coming toward the human monster coming toward him is his father but one of the lines is he keeps shouting is like take your medicine you little shit things like that and when he beat the crap out of that student i believe his line was all right if that's how you want to play come get your medicine and i was like oh man we learn about that the specifics of that way after danny's gotten some of those visions and hears the voice about taking his medicine he also mentions that he kicked a dog or when he was young he did something so his dad beat him then he threw threw a rock at a car and mm -hmm. i believe his dad beat him so one of his things afterwards was he kicked a dog uh, it mentioned it like since he was upset because his dad had hurt him. And then it's every... always like sign number one that someone's yeah. going to be a problem. You hurt animals. Yep. And then his football career, which he said that like he was good and he got all this stuff tackling a lot of people. 
And in his own point of view, he says something like, to be honest, I didn't really like football. And it was every match for him was a grudge match. He just tried to think (laughs) of it as taking everything personally. uh, So he wouldn't take out as many of those opposing players as possible. And it worked for him. That part, I know that we're supposed to see Jack as kind of a good guy, but that part does paint him more. Oh, all of that's terrible. Yeah. But I mean, I get why he's empathetic, not empathetic, why I can empathize with him. I think that comes out too, especially with the way that Danny looks at him. Yeah. He's such a daddy's boy. It's yeah. And the mom is sad. And she knows it. And she's Mm -hmm. a little jealous because there's that it's very early on when, when he's waiting for him to come home from, I think it's just the job interview and he's sitting on the curb and she's like, you know, he's not going to be here for a while. And he's like, but but maybe he'll come home early. And yeah. He just wants it so bad. And she's like, well, I'm going to go have some milk and cookies if you change your mind. And then he eventually comes in, eats the Oreos, and then goes back to waiting outside for his dad. And I do think that he, the dad tries. I think he loves his kid. And I think this the, this gets into how Stephen King made this character. I do think like I, I empathize for him because there is good in him. And it's like, it's like that thing that I've been getting mad about lately with we're humanizing villains. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I, I, we don't need an origin story for everybody. I'm, but I, am I do, th- I think this is the good balance. Yeah, exactly. I think this is just enough because the difference between changing the origin story so much that like oh they're kind of the good guy and this where you're like well no jack is still the bad guy but i understand kind of where he was coming from and i see that he wasn't all evil i think regardless of what point of his life like danny has the shine Jack has something evil in him that has always been there. And I think Danny has a a little bit of evil in him, too. There's something trying to invade him. Mm -hmm. But I think that we can kind of see that that struggle. And I don't think that when Jack is in like the right state of mind, a like grounded state of mind, I think he's the first one to really not necessarily outright admit things, but acknowledge that things are bad. Like when he says to Wendy that like, wait a week. And if you still want to have that talk, we'll have that talk. Or when they go to the doctor's office in, is it part two or part three? That might be, not sure which one. But they go to the doctor. Yeah, and Danny gets Danny. He says how like, you know, doc, we've never really talked about this, but I did do that. I did beat my kid. I was very surprised that he said that. It was, don't defend me. Like it was on purpose. I I was very surprised at that, too. Yeah, I was like, oh, wow. Or he didn't say he beat him, but he was like, yeah, I I broke his arm and I had too many drinks. And yeah, he admits like I meant to. And it was just like, damn. And he's like, yeah, we never talked about child abuse or divorce or all this stuff. And another thing that the whole... X, I remember it mentioned he beat the crap out of that kid, George. There's the fact that the kid wasn't wrong. I mean, the kid was was telling the truth because Jack did. Uh, the reason the kid slashed his tires after getting cut from the debate team uh, was partly he got cut because of his stutter. But two, he swore that the teacher Jack had set the timer lower than the other person. So Jack swore up and down that he didn't. And then in one part when he's thinking, it says if he had set the timer ahead, it would have Mm -hmm. been just to put George out of his misery. But he hadn't set the timer ahead. He's quite sure of it. Two pages later. Yeah, he would swear that before the throne of Almighty God, just as he would swear that he had set the timer ahead no more than a minute. And not out of hate, but out of pity. How I'm so sure then it was no more than a minute. 
and you can suddenly see that's a slippery slope Mm -hmm. from I'm Mm -hmm. sure I didn't do it then to it was no more than a minute. Like, so I I guess my only thing is I I do like that kind of uh, conflict and I know he's not the hero, but I can also understand why he's the villain. It's a good balance, I think, because you don't have to idolize the character. Also, his dad beat him. Yeah. And that was a whole thing. And that comes up a few times. Uh, he mentions it. And I can like feel for him as a person. Um, but it's not like uh, it doesn't seem outlandish mm-hmm. justifying how he is as a person. Because we we know that like cycles of abuse exist. Like that's not I mean, not for everyone, but mm-hmm. like the fact that that does happen um and alcoholism runs in families like Mm -hmm. that stuff is hereditary there's a lot of cycles that can exist for a person and Mm -hmm. it's not saying that those can't be broken but it wouldn't be surprising if the next generation kind of carries Mm -hmm. that stuff it's also like it doesn't justify it but it does help you understand yeah it i think one thing that like made me sad while reading this was when dick is showing them through the kitchen and wendy's like wow this is like the most stable food supply we've ever had and i'm like this isn't gonna end well i don't want you to have this much hope (laughs) but she doesn't have that much hope i think because oh i mean she does but she's also in that moment because even, I think even in that same scene, she she goes to the part where she still flashes to the Donner party. Yeah, she, she really can't get over it. And then that joke plays on the radio at one point. Oh, I know. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I was just like, that's what you get. If you think about something too much, it's going to seep into every part of your life. Yeah. Oh, ugh, a little bit of ableism when they're in the doctor's office. I get this was written a long time ago, but like what, after he gets, or like, yeah, he's getting tested for uh, uh, epilepsy. Yeah. Danny's getting tested for epilepsy. Then she says, would he become like and become autistic? Oh, yeah. And I was like, uh. It's even implied. She's like, she thought she read about that somewhere. So I thought it was kind of implied like that's not that's just she doesn't really know either what she's talking about. And that's why I was like, no, 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 it's nothing like that. She had read about autism. The word itself frightened her. It sounded like dread and white silence. And I'm just like, oh. I, I understand like that could be scary for anyone like having children and realizing mm-hmm. that your kid's going to be uh, differently abled than what you expected, a uh, different future than what you expected. But then I and then the other thing is when it was that yeah. was probably way more the definitely um, the leading thought at the time. So an interesting thing that started happening with Jack is time kind of slips away from him and always acknowledges it. And it's always a decent chunk of time. Yes. Where it's like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. An hour. I think uh, later on in the basement, he spends long enough for his wife to come looking for him. So I, I kind of wonder if he's losing time in a similar way that Danny does. Oh, you mean that when Danny uh, slips into his states? Interesting. I hadn't really thought of it that way. I mean, I noticed that he was... Mm-hmm. He was getting lost in thought and then he would check the time be like, oh, wow, this had gone. But maybe he just sees it differently because like how the doctor said, like kids Mm -hmm. have more of an imagination. They're more inclined to think a certain way. And as they get older, they kind of grow out of it. Well, maybe because Jack has grown out of it, he doesn't make connections the way that Danny does. So he just thinks he's been like zoning out. Whereas actually, maybe he's having a Tyler Durden moment right now. Yeah, I believe, especially since it seems like the house 
house, or I see, keep saying the house. It's a hotel. The on- <laughs> I need to say the overlook. The overlook. Yeah. The overlook. It just seems. It seems as though the overlook has taken an interest in Jack. I mean, and Danny as well, obviously. But Jack leading him to things. It seems I wouldn't be surprised if kind of it was the Tony to his Danny, mm-hmm. showing him things. I wonder as time goes on if like maybe because he talks about Grady in the beginning where he says that he like felt close to him, and he shouldn't have lost his temper, and he always kind of mentions how he hasn't he himself has a temper so i wonder if maybe he'll like connect with some ghosties on that level and like they kind of because i know like in the movie there's the barkeep yeah bartender guy and that's his his buddy and he goes and visits him and we haven't seen that yet nope but i wonder if that'll happen in the book there's something similar because to be honest we've gotten up to the point where they've just gotten snowed in uh, yeah. For most of these three parts that we've read, They're, they can still leave. They've still left. They, as we said, we were just talking about the doctor's office. That's down in Sidewinder, I believe, is the town. And it's only toward the end of the part three that they're snowbound or snowed in. So well, I believe that things, uh, my belief would be that things are going to start ramping up a little bit. I can't believe we're midway through the book. I think it's like well paced. Yeah, no, I get that. Like with some other books, having read, think like, okay, get to it. I think there's enough foreshadowing and there's like, it's not like super creepy, crazy stuff has been going on, but there's enough things that going on that are just like, hey, that's odd. That's, you know, we and obviously Danny's seeing creepy stuff, but Mm -hmm. it keeps me interested and I'm and I'm interested in the characters with at least their family dynamic knowing mm-hmm. what they've been through we since we get a lot more of those complex characters and the backstory of uh, their marriage and how it was falling apart and getting better also a thing that we gain with the the novel version is how f- fucking damaged wendy is yeah what is up with her mother so not only is her mom her mom blames wendy for her own divorce mm-hmm. and they never specifically say why except it's implied something about i believe the mother was jealous of the relationship wendy had with her dad and it somehow drove a wedge between them uh, and then the dad died six months after giving her away at the wedding yeah her mother and now her mother is involved again in her life and she's just trying to take she sees she, all she does is hate on Wendy's parenting style. This is later, but Wendy is talking to Danny about the shine. She's actually having a conversation with him about the things he may know because mm-hmm. she very much oh. believes he has a second sight. And yeah. she's like, well, we may have, maybe we can go to my mom's. And he says like, no, no, no. He specifically knows how she feels. He said she's like mm-hmm. looking up ways or she's thinking of ways to take Danny away from Wendy because she believes she could be the better mother. And it's just like, I don't know, that's she's got a really messed up family life or, or she had a messed up. And her sister's dead. Yeah, she got killed. Her sister by the- died when she was... She was six and her sister was 10. I thought she I was 10 and her sister was six. Could be. But either way. Very young. Yes, very young. And kid gets hit by a delivery truck. Is this a callback to, uh, what was it going to say, Salem's Lot? Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. Dang it. So it wouldn't be a callback. It wouldn't be a callback. Technically, also thought about it and the stuttering. And oh, yeah. His name's George. But the big brother, Bill, right? Bill yeah, Denbrough. He's the one that stutters. And Georgie is the little brother. 
and I was like, do you just like certain names? Could be. He definitely likes in. certain towns and one state in particular, Maine. Yeah. <laughs> where he's from, thereabouts. Based off that, right? That's where he's from, but it's Dairy. Dairy. Maine. There's a few. There's also Castle Rock. Where is it? Shawshank? Because that's also in Maine, that prison. One thing that I noticed about myself while reading this, I never once rolled my eyes at any descriptions. Fair. I think I didn't. I, is this something you do on the regular? No, but from things <laughs> I've read recently, not Haunting of Hill House. I know. I figure I know what you mean. <laughs> but there are certain books that just didn't grab me and I would just get mad at the descriptions. What would you think about Jack calling him out of the freaking blue? Like about that whole situation or how did you feel when you were reading that? Because I was like, oh, God, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, it made me very nervous. I didn't know what to expect because that isn't a character that exists elsewhere, like in the movie. Yeah. And the more that we learn about him, like I just didn't trust him. And whenever he said that they would still hang out, like when they were both like being sober, I was just like, ah, at any point, I feel like this could turn. That's L shake shake oh i was talking about he uh jack calls i'm just thinking of him because i'm (laughs) we can actually that's a good question we can actually come back to that though yeah and talk about him uh but i was saying the call jack calls the the manager of the hotel and like kind of just has to start something for no reason i think maybe it's just him and that like anger that just needs to go somewhere and i think maybe because he's finally not there with him he feels like he can like let it loose because there's so much under the surface whenever he's in the same room as him that officious little prick and just his like internal monologue (laughs) i thought it was interesting because when he was doing it he's even aware of how freaking stupid it is yeah and he keeps doing it and i'm like man is that is that his temper or is that just something like what would provoke you to do that out of the yeah, blue he has one thought that was interesting toward, jack has one thought toward the end of that where he almost thinks and he pushes the thought out of his head that part of him wanted to get fired before the snow came so that they would have a reason to leave and that was yeah. like it's interesting but i don't know just because it also seemed so it just was a dumb decision and it's, it's he was even aware of how dumb it was and he's aware of how much this guy doesn't like him because mm-hmm. <laughs> he tells him how much he doesn't like him but yeah when you said phone call i immediately thought of the his last ditch phone call yeah. before he gets to overlook and he gets to the phone booth and he calls his old drinking buddy and we didn't even talk about that whole thing yeah that's why we could talk about it's al shake and like i was hope or i thought he was calling him because that's the guy that set up this job for him yeah um shockley and then our boy with the nice suit with the flower on the lapel and the gold staff pin he was like i don't like you but he's pulling for you so i guess we have to make some things happen but i was thinking like he was so desperate to get this guy to answer like kept telling the uh phone operator just like let it ring a little bit more just a little bit longer. I really didn't think he was going to answer at all. And then I was thinking maybe he's going to tell him like, you know what? I shouldn't have done this for you. Don't do it. Or anytime he was brought up, I just like was uneasy. I really do think that or I was thinking that Jack could backslide at any second. Like he's stopping somewhere where there's a phone booth. Well, do they also sell beer there? <laughs> like, is he just going to 
you know what, maybe I should just get one, you and know, he's maybe thought about it for celebratory purposes and try to like make excuses. He keeps feeling it though. Like the further the novel goes along, the more he's like, man, I could use a drink, man. I could just mm-hmm. go over there for this. Oh, this would go better with a drink. And it keeps popping up. And Danny had a vision where he reeked of the bad stuff and he mm-hmm. was in the boiler room. So I'm wondering if he's either going to somehow get the bad stuff or mm-hmm. as Wendy described, he's getting all the symptoms of drinking without right. actually drinking. And she even asks Danny. I think that time she says, do you know, if she asked Tony, she tells Danny to ask Tony about the overlook. But he said, I tried. He couldn't get to him. And he cries. She asked Danny if he, if Jack had been drinking. And Danny mm-hmm. says, no, he hasn't. But he noticed or she noticed that, you know, he's been chewing on what is it? Excedrin. Is that what he, his, mm-hmm. he likes? Uh, and that was his For favorite. His yep. And just he keeps wiping his lips. Usually it was from the excess moisture because he kept drinking so much. But it's a habit. He's been picking up more and more often with this handkerchief. But she says he never smells like it. And it's like not really adding up. That's why I'm thinking when Danny saw like he had that aura about him. What mm-hmm. if the house is going to make him act drunk without him being drunk? Or I'm thinking, what if one of the things he was looking into the history of the hotel is that it may have been used for like bootlegging? It's like, what mm. if he finds an old stash? Yeah. Or maybe he was never an alcoholic all along. No. I'm joking. <laughs> I know. That's what would make me stop reading the book. I'd be like, um, what? It's like uh, the other version of like a sappy movie where like the power was in you all along. Oh. The booze were in you all along. <laughs> So what do you make of the whole thing with the bicycle? I think that was almost a karmic wake up call for not just Al, but mainly Jack, because that's what got them both as they stay back on the wagon. That incident is what gets both Al and Jack back on the wagon when they both decide that they're not going to drink again. Because like they, I think it was supposed to almost not make sense. It was supposed to be mm-hmm. as surreal to us as it was to them where middle of the night nowhere there should be a bike boom hit hit like a kid's bike or something and they of course they were both drunk and al was speeding i think that was almost sort of the kind of as i said like a karmic wake-up call maybe uh, i'm not saying it was some sort of deus ex machina or something looking out for jack but since Mm -hmm. we know that there are forces that work like the overlook um in this world that are malign you know there might be something that was there, just kind of a freak thing that was just there to, to put it, push him in the right direction. And unfortunately, the Overlook would later counteract that. <laughs> that could have been a person. Um, and I know that even the guy that pulled up with the tires was like, whoa, I'm not getting involved. I don't know what's going on. He made even a joke they're... like you, you kill someone and they're like, no, nah, we even look for the body. So he's like, all right, well, I'm tired. I'm going to go. <laughs> Uh, you can pay me later yeah exactly not gonna be here if when the cops show up i know he was still like nervous after the fact but there was just like a tiny space filler in the newspaper like not even a real thing about the incident so Mm -hmm. and wendy even looked yeah i don't think they killed anyone because and then danny yeah i don't think there's anything deeper into it other than 
I mean, I don't know what force put that bike in the road. I don't, mm-hmm. they see it from what it was described. It seemed out of the ordinary. And that's why I think it was some sort of karmic thing to kind of yeah. wake him up or at least give him a chance. How about that bit where Danny kind of, uh, I don't know how to explain it when he's like kind of just repeating things that he's never, he never should have heard. Which I think it happens a couple times. Like after we learn about George and the stuttering. I think it happens after that where Danny says like the timer mentions the timer. So that's in the bathroom. Uh, he says, ah, sure. Tournament play stroke. Roke. Danny said his voice suddenly deep, almost manlike roke stroke. The roke mallet has two sides. Mm-hmm. And like what's wrong with him? He says roke stroke red rum. Oh, oh, another person that died. The lady's husband, the one that wants to get in the guy's pants. Remember he died oh, out yeah. on the court, right? He did. And she's like, I told him it was too hot on that road court. I believe they also said someone got killed. Very, it reminded me of Hill House. Someone's wife, I believe, got killed, like trampled or they fell off a horse, got crushed by a horse uh, near the Overlook too, mm-hmm. very early on. I, I like the idea in that scene when they're asking Danny, we're like, oh, where did you see Tony? And he's like, in the mirror. Oh, you saw him in the mirror? He's like, not, like, oh, behind you? And he says, no, like in the mirror. And he had to lean down and go into the mirror. I guess that reminded me of uh, in Doctor Sleep, the movie. There are several scenes when like people use astral projection and they're kind of mm-hmm. like floating through the the sky where the, the room changes in front of them and they're able to step into it. It gave me that kind of vibe. What are your thoughts on the fire extinguisher slash snake thing? I know that it was something that he acknowledged that he had seen before, but not there. And this one was older and he didn't like understand or something. But the there's a scene where later he's walking, he rounds the corner and the hose falls off of the, the coil and he thinks oh, it's like a yes, snake. Yes, yes, and yes. then he has to, he jumps over it and he says he feels that he'd gone so high. Like his, he can tell like the, the hair in the back of his head, like just graze the ceiling, even though later he'd know that was impossible. And he jumps over it and he can hear it like coming after him. And it's not until he reaches the stairs that he turns around and sees it's still there. I'm wondering if that's like setting something up too. I could see it either way. Like if it's just like prepping us for things being more manipulated, like by the house, perhaps things moving like the topiaries mm-hmm. things kind of coming to life because that can't be like a thing that has previously happened or will happen as if yeah. you know what i mean like i just mean i wonder if someone's if the fire extinguisher is somehow going to come into play later just because it got mentioned twice I don't yeah know. or we're like collecting tools yeah <laughs> take this you will need it for your journey <laughs> or it will be like Danny in the lobby with the fire extinguisher. Exactly. Versus Jack, Jack with the roke mallet. Wendy just has a can of tuna fish or something. Yeah, she didn't. Very unprepared. I wonder how, and I know he said that those bananas weren't ripe, nowhere near ripe, but really, how long is all that food going to last? I was thinking about that too, because even if potatoes you leave them, and onions, it could be a. I can see. But tomatoes? 
they would have to be in it could be a temperature controlled area that's like first of all potatoes and onions shouldn't be stored next to each other fun fact the onions will make the potatoes like go bad faster but if they're not like next to each other next to each other that's fine and like they should be kept in a cool dark place the onions that we get are often stored in like silos essentially for a long time like the the onions that we get are like months and months old so like they'd probably last a while but like a tomato doesn't last that long bananas my bananas that i bought like two days ago that were green green are now green but also brown someone needs to explain this to me they skipped the yellow step yeah they're just green and brown at the same time and then two days are gonna be fully brown and then i'm gonna need to make banana bread and then i'm not gonna do it and i'm gonna throw them away i also bought spinach uh the wasps. Yep. I feel like that's a big thing. The thing is named after it. Yeah. The part is called the Three. wasp's nest. I think. Is it too obvious to be like, this is like what the house is. Looks like it won't be a problem from the outside. But actually, there's scary stuff on the inside because the wasps didn't die. Yeah. I think didn't in advance he promise Danny that he would get him like a wasp's nest or something. Did that happen earlier on? Not that I can recall. Maybe he did. Maybe. I don't know. That seems like a vague memory. I just know Jack, when he's up there, he thought after he's like, I'm going to bug bomb it. He's like, I used to have a wasp's nest next to my bed. I'll give this one to Danny because I'm pretty sure it's a surprise. He surprises Danny with it. Uh, Who just has a wasp's nest? They're not nice looking. It's not like honeycomb where bees live. That's kind of cool. But like a wasp's nest, if I if I'm not mistaken, doesn't it look like mummified? Like yeah. gross? Yeah. As far as I can tell. Did you ever have a wasp's nest? No. Your own personal wasp's no. nest? No. Because I'm worried that something would like a wasp would be like, hey, sweet, it's a pre-made house. And then I'm like, well, you're welcome. I'm taking your house now. I think the creepy part, I mean, first it was just a handful of them. And they stung, like after they got bug bombed, they came out and they stung Danny. But when he came back, when Jack came back, he said it was, and he, well, he covered it. And then he came back and it was full. He said, He'd be like 50 or 100 wasps. I don't know. And it, maybe it is just another case of sometimes they come back. As Jack almost kind of thought. It seemed pretty crazy. I feel like bug bombs wouldn't really let things survive, especially like wasps. I feel like that would be an easy kill, I guess. Um, and then he what takes it outside in the cold, right? Mm-hmm. And Thinking that'll kill death. them, which that should. They, they um, freeze. But they like survive it. Well, I think after that, they freeze. And he's like, well, just in case he tosses him into, the, into a furnace or something. He's yeah. like, well, survive that. In the moment, though, I did like you can see how much and like how rational he is in his care for his son because he's like, oh, are you allergic? Because if you're allergic, then he might be allergic. And he's able to like think through these things. And I think those fears are probably at the forefront of his mind because that's something that gets brought up with, well, you're at this house. How, what if something happens? Mm -hmm. Appendicitis, someone cracks their skull on the stairs and he's fed all of these fears, which is rational. You know, you should have those things, a plan for those things. But, you know, just another, another point for him being a decent dad, but strikes for bringing a wasp's nest into into the house. That's just a bad move. I don't know. This this was the seventies. Maybe it was. (laughs) <laughs> not allowed. much entertainment here you go have a wasp's nest different regions it's probably like oh cool i mean Danny was pretty fucking stoked about it i don't know <laughs> yeah knowing what you know about the movie what 
are you hoping exists in the novel for the second half? This could be a mismemory, but I like we talked about the barkeeper, the bartender. I'm interested to see if he's going to start. Jack will start to see people essentially mm-hmm. like, you know, and have a full blown conversation because that almost sounds like we're talking about. Um, the conversation between Dick and Danny and how normally it's only the people with the shine can have these like nightmares and see things. And that would kind of imply that Jack has some sort of, it may not be the shine, maybe the shadow as we've, you know, jokingly Mm -hmm. called it, but that would be interesting. And I can't remember. I feel like he did drink in that one. And I'm, I'm curious if he's actually going to get his hands on like actual alcohol, Mm -hmm. like fall off the wagon or if it's just going to be a descent where somehow he thinks, like, imagine maybe he could be in his mind, he'll be in a ballroom downing his drinks, but really he's drinking nothing, but he still feels, you know, drunk yeah. or the effects. So I guess that's it. Um, And I know... How about you? It will be interesting to see how the rest of the scary things happen. Are we going to see... The, the twins, the, the two girls, how much more is Danny going to see? And then I wonder, because I don't think in the movie, Wendy really sees anything aside from like Jack, Jack. trying to murder her. Yeah. Same. <laughs> At least that's my recollection. It's mainly, oh my God, he's going to kill me. Favorite scene so far or a particular moment uh, where you enjoyed the writing? I really just liked the scene in the car with Dick and Danny. I was like, this is bonkers because why are you just sitting in this car? <laughs> it was a little, a little upsetting. Um, but I know different time people trusted people way more, but the yeah. mom was still concerned. Mm-hmm. I just think everything with him was honestly great and how he was joking with like, oh, don't, are you sure you don't still want to come with me to Florida? Oh yeah. And then eventually it's like, are you really sure you don't want to come with me? <laughs> I really just enjoyed him as a character. And I, I like how kind of slick he was. Like talking to Danny. Yeah. How he incorporated the shine stuff too. Oh, I forgot. What's my name again? And mm-hmm. he's like, Mr. Is it like Hallahan or something? And then it's like, H- oh, but. Something like that. But he's like, but your friends call you Dick. And he's like, so it's Dick to you. And then the Jack and Wendy look at each other like, did he ever tell us his first name? And like yeah. Danny's strolling along with him. Can you dig? Uh-huh. And Danny's like, he could dig it very much. <laughs> yeah, they're vibing so hard together. Yeah. I love it. Oh, so that's what I hope isn't in the second half. I hope he doesn't die. That. He has to die. I, I, I know, know it. if he has to. Considering the, he most likely he will because he also did, it was foreshadowing. He said, hey, and if something gets too crazy, just, just think at me like you did earlier and i'll come running Mm -hmm. so i'm like oh man what if he does show up i don't want jack to kill him but i I am interested since in the movie you know the guy comes up comes back if that's how if we'll see him again what was your favorite part and for scene wise it's still i think it's almost it could be a multitude of scenes but danny's like not hallucinations but Anytime he is able to kind of like leave his body and go into that other, you know, when he fully engages his shine. And that's like way I mentioned earlier, I really liked how he described going into the mirror. I think it's it's trippy, but it's also very, I like the imagery. And that just really stood out to me right now. Um, there's a lot of great interactions in this first half of the novel. Those parts really stuck out to me. It's something I didn't mm-hmm. see a lot 
and something I was totally like, wow, that's cool. Could just be the geek in me. <laughs> no, I think that stuff is solid. It's very well written. It's it's very interesting for the weirdness to yeah. be written in this novel. It's all very believable. It's all very like in the flow yeah. or disrupting the flow, which is a good thing in that case, like the intrusiveness of certain stuff. I'm, I'm a big fan more than I thought so of those intrusive thoughts kind of popping in because they it's a way to add a, an element of creepy, like things are going normal and then something weird kind of whispering in the back of your mind and they're quick. Are you aware of the big complaint against King? I'm not sure which big complaint you're referring to, because I've heard something, so... His endings? Oh, okay. I am not... I've heard... I don't hate his endings, actually, and that could... So what's your view on it, Jacqueline? Why don't you elaborate for us all? Well, no, I haven't finished many of his books. Okay. So take that for what you will. What I read, I do enjoy, um, but something always stops me. A big problem I always had was I was reading while I was in school, mm-hmm. and I take way too many classes where I had to read too many books. The struggle of I get you. I get you. an English creative writing major. But well, what have you heard, I guess, at least? Yeah. I mean, they poke fun of it in the, the new It films. That with the... The writer character. The writer character right. and the the film that they're making from his novel mm-hmm. and all that. But that that's like a, a kind of a joke, I think, in the, mm-hmm. the horror community, mm-hmm. I guess, that his books are great, but things kind of really fall short in the last act and things like that. And that's why a lot of, I guess, the movies kind of change, change. things a little bit. Yeah. Um, I get that. And there's which there's... I think that movies are are allowed to, you know, they can exist on their own or use it as a springboard because I don't think everything translates mm-hmm. that well. Um, but I'm interested to see how this book ends. You know, I hadn't thought about that. I think it's because I know the uh, the long walk as uh, so many people call it like eight once a day downer ending. And so I'm, I'm down with those and the, the Dark Tower series, which is the ones that stick in my head for his writing the most i mean that was a series so i don't really think i minded the one of them i can see how the ending was a bit anticlimactic anticlimactic but overall it, i don't really have a lot of complaints I, I am interested to see how this one will end especially because my other my only other you know foray into it was um the movie really there was that other series on mm-hmm. abc i think at i one haven't point. seen that one and i don't remember how that ends at all so i'm, I'm stuck with the shining with him freezing in the maze so and there's no maze in this one so they're gonna have to do something else so the telegraph won't let me Mm -hmm. read their thing without a subscription but the article title is stephen king can't write a good ending to save his life and he knows it Mm -hmm. and then there was a bunch of like reddit i i just googled stephen king and and endings several people are asking on reddit does he really have bad endings stephen king often gets shit for his bad endings like what's the deal with this or on cora uh does stephen king have issues with ending his books not all stephen king endings 11 worst endings to stephen king's best books i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna gonna click on this article gonna look for the shining on this i'm just i'm just curious uh-huh you know what curiosity to the cat <laughs> okay thing number one it number two under the dome i don't even know if i've heard of that one. Oh, that's under there i mean oh written like a hundred books they so. actually made a, a series the off stand. under the dome yeah i haven't read Sell. that and i want to wait but they gave the stand one of his be- worst endings 
Yeah. Oh. Misery. Gerald's Game. Gerald's Game is a funky one. I know I looked it up and I watched this movie. Oh, man. I totally forgot that he wrote The Dead Zone. I also read that when I was young. Dreamcatcher. Yeah, people say that one's not a good one, but they still made a movie out of it. Dreamcatcher. I enjoyed the movie. I like the characters. Running Man. The Shining, number 10. (laughs) And then 11 is Dr. Sleep. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll have to just see if we trust that hashtag show.com, which is where I got this list from. The internet sucks. I just feel like Googling things isn't as useful as it used to be. Oh, well, now it's got way more stuff to look through. That is it for our part one of The Shining. Which is parts one through three (laughs) of The Shining. Tune in next week for the second half. Well, it's like like four through seven. (laughs) For the rest of it. Yeah, the rest of it. (laughs) Hooray. Any anything you'd like to share with the class? I went camping the last few days and now I'm just like recovering from the heat and stuff. So my brain, as you said, is scrambled eggs. So I'm happy I was able to get through this. Yeah, I've been trying to read as much as possible, but I'm glad we're doing this because I am reading more than I have in a long time. Same. It's great. And it's not like when I was in college and I had to be like comment on a two, two, three things. Nope. I have to read the whole thing. Yep. I have to be able to talk about this. Like I know what I'm talking about somewhat. All right. Well, until next time. Catch you later.